Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. The ABC's recent Australia Talk survey uncovered something about us that we probably wouldn't have even considered 10 years ago, that nearly half of us agree that there are more than two genders. That's not to be confused with different types of sex. This is not a biological question, but one of raising children as a boy or a girl. Pink or blue, cars or fairies, skirts or shorts. One that some parents are choosing to now put a stop to. We're having to try to kind of rip apart the boxes that their little preschool friends are starting to build up and becoming, you know, pretty obsessed with the gender binary and categorizing things kind of arbitrarily, you know, of just like saying, you know, girls can't do this and boys can't do that. Today, we speak to Zuma's mum about her choice to raise them as neither gender, what that means for them and the difficulties of doing so in a society that is so very geared to make sure you fit into one of those checkboxes. When someone you know has a baby, one of the first questions you ask is whether it's a boy or a girl. But that's a question that could be met with another option in 2019. Neither. The recent Australia Talks survey by the ABC found that 45% of the 54,000 Aussies who responded agree there are more than two genders. That is whether you identify as a boy or a girl, which is not to be confused with sex, which, as we've found in earlier Quickie episodes, is also a much more complex world than just being born with a penis or a vagina. Our attitudes to gender conformity are changing, realising that gender-diverse and transgender people can identify with a gender that goes against the one they were assigned at birth, and that there is also scope for non-binary people who don't identify with either. But what does that mean in the big picture? How realistic is it for us to break thousands of years of being told you're either a boy or a girl and shifting to a society that can raise children as neither until they can choose themselves or not at all? When Kyle Myers was pregnant, she decided that the question, is it a boy or a girl, was one she would not be answering. Along with her Australian husband, Brent, Kyle decided to raise their new arrival as a baby, neutral, without a gender forced upon them. Kyle, it's been three years since you had Zuma. Have you seen attitudes towards gender creative parenting changing in that time? I think so. I think that just the general conversation about gender has evolved dramatically since Zoomer was born. I think one of the biggest things has been seeing the use of the singular they, them pronoun increasing and the non-binary identity increasing. And so I think people nowadays, like three and a half years later, seem to be more comfortable with the idea of gender as being diverse and not just binary. I also think that there's way more parents who are challenging gender roles in their relationships and how they parent their kids and calling on schools and media and brands to stop perpetuating gender stereotypes and treating children more equitably. So I totally think that I've seen a jump in the gender revolution, but I also still think that we have a long way to go. 
Now, there was a really big survey done here in Australia just recently, which has got some experts actually quite surprised at how much we are now agreeing to the fact that there are more than two genders. Now, your hubby is also an Aussie. Do you spend any time here as well as in the US? Do you see a difference in how gender is treated in those countries? I have found that Australia seems to be generally a little bit more progressive or slightly less obsessed with the gender binary than Americans are. I also think that Australia has more gender neutral words, like a flight attendant would call Zoomer bubs rather than a boy or a girl. And that was nice. But one thing that I have noticed is that the US doesn't have school uniforms for public school. You know, there's like the boy uniform or the girl uniform. And I think that that's something that we would have to navigate if we moved to Australia that we don't have to worry about in the US. How hard has it been to really stay strong in being gender creative? Because, you know, kids' stuff is really gendered, their friends influence them, family influences Mm -hmm. them. How difficult has it been? So I actually think that people assume that our life is just really, really difficult trying to like navigate this gender binary world. But I actually think because we do gender creative parenting and because we didn't assign a gender and because we don't disclose Zoomer's anatomy to people who don't need to know, I actually think that we have an easier time avoiding Zoomer being stereotyped or experiencing microaggressions than some other parents who are really trying to make sure that their kids are able to grow up and just be who they want to be without the confines or restrictions or expectations of gender. So really like on a day-to-day basis, our life isn't that hard. When we go shopping, we just, you know, take Zoomer to Target and say, okay, you need sweatshirts. So let's pick out a couple of sweatshirts and they just wander around all of the aisles. You know, they don't feel like they have to stay within the boundaries of one section of the clothes. So I think that they have so much freedom. I don't think that they really understand that these sections are meant to be marketed to boys or girls. They get to just go and pick out what they want. But now Zoomer is three and a half. I do see that we're having to try to kind of rip apart the boxes that their little preschool friends are starting to build up and becoming pretty obsessed with the gender binary and categorizing things like saying girls can't do this and boys can't do that and all boys have short hair and all girls have long hair. And we just have to have these conversations, unpacking it more, you know, daily of like, no, everybody can do whatever they want with their hair and girls can do the same things that boys can do. So that's new territory that we are entering because Zoomer and their friends are talking about gender now. You mentioned about Zoomer now being three and a half and they're going to be becoming more conscious of gender identity. They will eventually probably self-identify. Are you prepared for that moment to come along and, and what that brings with it? Kind of, I guess. Zoomer has not identified with a gender yet and they haven't said that they want us to use different pronouns for them yet. We do let them know, hey, as you get older, even maybe right now, you might feel like a girl, you might feel like a boy, you might feel gender creative. We try to give them as many terms that we know of, you know, like we know kids who are bender boys, we know kids who are demigirls, and we just try to blow up the idea that they may only be a boy or a girl. And we'll completely support them in whatever gender identity they are landing on and also let them know however concrete this is going to be or however fluid it's going to be, we are here and ready for all of it. 
As Zuma gets older, I imagine there's going to be more segregation in place as far as girls are supposed to be doing this and boys are supposed to be doing that. Have you got a plan in place for that if they do decide to continue on as non-binary, as keeping the they-them pronouns and how you're going to navigate them through those processes, school and all of those things? Yeah, I have been observing gender segregation throughout Zoomer's entire life. I have noticed, you know, where it is in these little activities. I mean, for the most part, I think we're really lucky that we live in Salt Lake City, which is really progressive. People are mindful about how they create activities for kids and adults and families and try to make it really inclusive. But there have also been events that are gendered. We wanted to go to a toddler track meet and we were told that they weren't going to be separating the kids by gender, and they did. And so we decided not to participate, you know, and we asked for our money back and said, it's a real bummer that you are separating two and three and four and five-year-old kids by gender, and we are not going to be complicit in perpetuating stereotypes and separation. And so, you know, we kind of have had to gently protest things. So we'll see. We've been really fortunate to be able to have the privileges and resources to be able to put Zoomer in a preschool that is so supportive of how we parent and will try to do the same thing when they are going into kindergarten and just continue to be really proactive about trying to educate the teachers and staff and other families and try to push back on things that feel unnecessarily gendered. There are going to be people on hearing this discussion who say the world's gone mad, that the PC brigade have taken over and you can't even say if you're a boy or a girl anymore. But they would be challenged to find out that the first records of people not identifying as male or female date back in our history as far as the second millennium before the Common Era, BC in the old terms. The tablets describe how the gods created these people and their roles in society. There are writings in ancient Egypt describing three genders, with many other cultures and ethnic groups recording gender-variant roles. In fact, the pronoun they or them was in standard use in English for hundreds of years until grammarians decided it was no longer acceptable in 1745. But there will also be some who say that raising a child gender-neutral is damaging. So is it? Elizabeth Riley is a specialist in gender identity at the University of Tasmania. Elizabeth, there are people who are concerned that by not assigning a child a gender at birth that there's some sort of psychological impact of that. Is there any evidence of that? Of raising a child gender neutral, I can't imagine that there can be because they're not being forced to perform particular duties or activities based on their gender assigned at birth. You know, they actually are given the freedom to have the autonomy and self-determination about who they are in the world in the way that they feel most comfortable with themselves. I mean, what we know is that forcing people to conform is very damaging. What impact does something like this big survey that shows that more and more Australians are coming to terms with the fact that there are more than two genders, what impact does that have on those who don't see themselves as conforming to that binary system? Well, the thing is that if they're not acknowledged, then they don't feel seen. They don't feel part of the human race. So it allows for some kind of self-autonomy and it instills hope for people. And it's not surprising that the more awareness and visibility there is around gender-neutral people, behaviours and pronouns, that more and more people speak up and young people are saying, I'm not either or, I'm somewhere in the middle and maybe they don't even know where that is yet. 
Just finally, there's a lot of people who say we're being too PC. Why can't we just let it be? Do we just throw out the terms boy and girl and start over? Or are we expanding on that? There's nothing wrong with identifying as a boy or identifying as a girl, right? No, as long as it's what someone themselves chooses. So if they're not forced or coerced to behave or identify in any particular way, then they get to choose that themselves. I don't think we should be throwing boy and girl out the window. I think we should just be inviting people to decide. Now, I understand that it seems to be sometimes generational. So for older people, it's harder for them to make that mental shift. You know, well, we never had that in my day, so why does it matter now? And the truth is that it always mattered. It was just invisible before and the people who were suffering were silent. In the past 20 years, we've seen people able to obtain their birth certificates and passports in the gender of their choice, not birth, or choose the neither option. Trans rights have been identified as human rights. Social media like Facebook now have not two, but 50 options to choose from in their gender drop-down menu. And Tumblr created hundreds of noun self-pronouns that describe a person's gender in ways using the zodiac, insects, ghosts, robots, mythology, and more. And before you say that's just making stuff up, remember there was also a time when we made up boy and girl. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Ellie Beatty with audio production by Ian Camilleri. For more episodes, including the one we mentioned about intersex and all the myriad of variations our biology can create, you can find them at mamamia.com.au forward slash the quickie. 